You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Regardless of the type of gamer that you are today, for most of us, we can look back to our youth, taking turns with siblings or friends, or in the case of my kids, their parents, to gather stars, defeat Bowser, capture Pokemon, and save Princess Peach. We raced go-karts and battled with the best of them, using all of our favorite gaming characters. We lost a giant on Sunday. Satoru Iwata helped elevate Nintendo to a platform never imagined for a gaming company, and it's because he understood that games, much like Iwata said himself, should be fun for everyone. In the spirit of having fun, this one is for you, Mr. Iwata. I think that after the life that he led, the impact that he had on so many millions, billions of people... I think it's fitting that the last press conference that we got from him, that he was a Jim Henson Muppet and that we remember him as a Muppet with some crazy bananas in his hand. And it feels good because a lot of times we'll lose people in the industry or be it on movies or TV or whatever, like the recent passing for Robin Williams. And it's hard and it strikes you and even when watching their shows or whatever, there's still that pang of pain. But with this is different because everything that he did was to bring joy to our life. And it's one of those where it's, it's easy to pay homage to that and to the man by smiling, enjoying yourself and enjoying the games. So with that, we are going to start our show. We're actually going to be recording a couple of episodes. We're going to be recording both the uh, For the Lore episode, and we're also going to be recording uh, the episode for um, Common Book Informer podcast, because this is going to be our SDCC 2015 panel. And so we're going to be talking about games as well as comic books later on. So we're going to actually start... Well, actually, sorry. Fair is fair. If you guys have anything that you would like to say as well. Joe? In regards to our recent loss? Yes. I will say this. Uh, It was not hyperbole when I tweeted out that Nintendo saved my life as a kid. I grew up in a really rough neighborhood where I was the lightest skinned kid for about three miles. Getting beaten up every day because I was nerdy. My parents bought me a Nintendo so that I would have something to do inside of the house. And it kept me from going crazy and it kept me safe. Mm -hmm. It became an integral part of my childhood and life. And I thank them for that. And I thank him for that. Vince? It didn't really hit me until Monday. I had gotten to work that morning and I was doing my daily walk. Oh, dude, I saw your tweet and I nearly died. (laughs) And I walked past the electronics department and we had, you know, just as we normally do, an end cap display set up with Nintendo stuff. We use 3DSs, Mario Kart, uh, Smash Brothers, 
basically anything you would identify with his career was right there all in one package looking at me. And I had to stop and turn around. Like it was, it was not easy, but as time went on, especially that Monday, as people were sharing their own stories and uh, on Twitter and uh, other places online, it did be kind of become that bittersweet thing where you're sad he's gone, but the overwhelming factor is your happiness for everything that he did in his life and the joy he brought to others. And I don't think we'll ever see somebody like him again, both as a creator and as an executive. I think we probably will. We're not going to see many, but, but I think we will. All right. So let's move on to some SDCC news. And we're actually going to talk about some other stuff as well, simply because, this is the first SDCC in a while that I found there was actually really not a lot of gaming news. Like last year's was chock full of gaming news, and this year there really was not a lot. I could spend half the episode talking about Street Fighter if you want. No, no. And you'll notice it's not even in the freaking show notes. <laughs> Had you added it to the show notes, I would have removed it from said show notes. <laughs> but I mean, Ken's hair, have you? God, dude. There was way too much of that going on. <laughs> I was like, come on, people. Seriously. We're actually going to start with some Lego Dimensions news. And this is actually, I was just posting this just as you had done the same thing. Vince, go ahead. Yes, we got the latest expansion set, whatever they're calling the things for Lego expansions, announced at San Diego Comic-Con. And that is one I was really hoping they were going to do with Doctor Who. And the video is... Exactly what you would expect. It has that irreverent, you know, Lego style to it, but also really nails a lot of the Doctor Who stuff. You know, the zaniness of the Doctor, the crazy visuals, even Lego Daleks are the creepiest fucking things around. And it sells it with the little money shot of the TARDIS and the DeLorean at the same time, (laughs) which (laughs) is pretty much all I ever wanted from this game. But they were, the more they talked about it, there was actually like a lot of really good stuff they're doing because the trailer was, I don't want to say entirely, but mostly focused on the latest Doctor, uh, Peter Capaldi. But at the end, they show that all of the Doctors are going to be playable, each of them with their own little Lego figure. And the inside of the TARDIS is going to be reflected in the style of that particular Doctor. So it's not just a skin over the character. Like it's going to affect a lot of the game and it shows – the incredible attention to detail that all the Lego games always do and how much they love the franchises they work on. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I was fairly impressed too. The, um, the, the, the TARDIS thing is you, you, you wouldn't necessarily think it's a big deal, but it is that extra it's, bit of immersion that it's just as much important to the character as the actor is. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it is kind of cool. Yeah. So, okay, moving on from that, we actually, there was some other news too from, uh, for the Lego, for the Marvel stuff, was there not? Because they talked about that. They're adding a whole bunch of different characters, if I'm not mistaken. Did you see that? I, I it was more done at the Marvel panels and I, I apologize, I don't have it in front of you. Yeah. They were talking about, uh, the big single player, you know, Lego game for this year is, uh, Lego Avengers and all the characters that are being added into that. Uh, they actually just announced today that uh, Miss America Chavez. So they're going pretty yeah. deep into the well for characters, and I'm really excited. Yeah, yeah, very much. Did you guys see the Cradle video? I actually missed it. 
It was in. I, I didn't see it until you posted it, but holy crap. It's freaking awesome. It is. It's from the people who uh, some of them worked on the Stalker franchise. And it began as a dream for one of the designers, developers. And then they turned it into say. this game. And like you start off in like this uh, a yurt and it's in the Mongolian steppe and you basically it's it's kind of a cyberpunk feel to it. There's robot things around there there's a female robot off to the side kind of thing and you can see that she's busted up and there's all kinds of other stuff and then you have to you put on an in-game vr helmet kind of thing and it helps you to find different things in this yard and you look around and it it teaches you the video shows how it teaches you how to do different things and interact with your environment something as silly as making soup and putting it outside but then you realize that everything kind of ties in and all of these mundane actions allow you to find clues to slowly piece this robot back together kind of thing. And there's different exploration in other areas and stuff like that. The more that I saw, like in case in point, again, when they make the soup and then they take it outside and I'm thinking, this is pretty boring game i'm kind of Super i'm really simulator 2015 yeah really I'm, I'm i'm in for the robot chick and everything else looks like it's pretty freaking cool and i'm digging it but i don't know and then put it down in this massive freaking eagle comes swooping down and then you see that it's got armor and then you realize it's a freaking robot too <laughs> the eagles are robot and then it gives you clues as well and it was at that point i went sold you got me i where do I sign? This is, I will definitely buy this game and play it. It's the kind of quirky exploration puzzler kind of thing that also looks goddamn gorgeous. Yeah, I was actually really surprised by that. Like, I knew nothing of this until seeing the show notes. Um, didn't even hear about it when I was checking out the SDCC stuff. But to see how far along it is and how already, like, the visuals are already well developed. I'm I'm fairly surprised. Like, did they say how long they've been working on this? That I didn't hear. So, I would not be surprised if it's been a very it's been a while. Time. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, because it looks fairly polished. What they showed, I would play what they showed. So I don't know how long that demo was, but it looked like fun. And the random, you know, portal esque scene. Yeah, like there was, a, again, there's a whole bunch of, you can see the influences from a variety of different games. In Minecraft, it, Portal. Yeah, yeah the, the, the the stuff too, like damn near Tetris at one point when they're in that stupid mini game thing. The, the fact that the person that you play is a flower duplicator <laughs> kills me. It's like, a what? And then you see him <laughs> taking care of the flower and making copies. And I'm going, that is friggin' awesome. <laughs> that is just, again, imaginative we need a lot more of that in game. So, yeah, I'm hook, line, and sinker. You said you saw something on uh, Mirror's Edge, Joe. Yeah, it was a brief thing. Uh, we talked about Mirror's Edge a lot, and it's one of those games that I'm really excited for, Mirror's Edge 2, uh, or prequel, whatever, what do you want to call it? Catalyst is the name of it. Um, the reason we heard about it is because Dark Horse is actually going to be doing a six-issue uh, mini-series that leads up to Catalyst, uh, of comics, basically, to help flush out the storyline. And it was kind of interesting because they were talking a little bit about it and talking about how they're taking a completely different approach to the story in this game versus the original uh, Mirror's Edge. Mirror's Edge, the, the first one was kind of like a blank slate, right? It was made entirely for you to imprint upon the character. There was really no story uh, for the individual character. 
And when they were talking about catalysts, they're like, we wanted to take the opportunity to actually flush out a story. And while still have you be immersed in the world through the character, give you the idea of who the character is. And we already know that the game is going to be, uh, it's the prequel, it's the story of how Faith comes to be, how she gets her tattoos, how everything calls, calls into place. But honestly, I completely missed the fact that there was going to be a six comic miniseries. I thought it was going to be like, one of those one-off comic things, but they're really going hard into this. And it's artists and writers from, uh, from dice that are actually doing this. Really? Yeah. So it's not just dark horse. That's doing it. It's, it's dice's people. They were like, we want to do this. And so they split off a certain section of people to go work on the comic and the story and everything else leading into it. So it's going to be what they said is going to be a seamless transition from the comics into the game. If you want to do that, it won't be necessary. But for people like me, it's necessary (laughs) because I'm going to have to read this. I have to read the story. I have to know what's going to go on. But I thought it was really cool. And I I like comic book tie ins to video games when they're done really well. Well, we were just talking about that last week when you were gone. We were talking about the Dragon Age one that's going to be coming soon, the Mage Killer one. So, yeah, we're all for it. It sounds sounds really cool. And the thing is, is that the more that we've seen with this sequel, there is a lot more story going in oh, this yeah. time around as opposed to last. In fact, well, like you said, last time there really wasn't a story. This time there really appears to be a solid one that, that looks fairly cool I'm, I'm i am interested in trying it and following oh, yeah. often <laughs> there's there's going to be actual factions stories everything i'm yeah okay now like i said there was not a ton of news sdcc and quite frankly not a ton of news period so we're just going to cover some of the other stuff that uh that came about last week too there was some more Dishonored 2 information that we got, and it was a fairly good article. Actually, Joe, I'll let you take this. So, again, another game that was highly anticipated, uh, at least for me, is going to be this. It's Dishonored 2. Dishonored 1 was one of my favorite games. It's easily within my top five. Uh, And part of that was the idea that I had a way to choose how I played my game. I could kill people. I could not kill people. I could do different combinations they really went out of their way to allow players a full like gamut of choice. Like you could do basically whatever you wanted and they made the world incredibly open for what it was. It was really, really good. So now we're talking here about how Dishonored 2 is going to build upon that. In particular, I thought it was very interesting how they're approaching Emily Caldwin and they're talking about how her experience is going to be completely different uh, from Corvo where she's going to be more agile, but still give players a incredible amount of choice. Um, and it just, it was very, very interesting to see, at least to me, how they're going to turn that into a unique experience. Because that's what they said. They, they want every single player to have a unique experience playing the game with different powers between the two, different arcs, uh, however that goes. And I thought it was kind of cool to kind of get a glimpse of their thought process into making the world uh, sort of as it was. And they touched on something that was, was I talked about it with my friend Dan a lot because he, he's a, an AI uh, engineer where a lot of times game developers and level de- editors will make branching paths for very specific things. Like they'll say, you know, this one path is all stealth and it's completely separated from everything that's all combat. And when they were making the first game, they were talking about, well, what if we just interlinked everything together? 
And they were talking about how that was kind of like a last minute decision. And now here they're kind of weaving that even tighter where everything is going to be more fluid decisions for both characters on how you progress through the game. And I think that's just it shows how much they actually care about what they're producing. And it gives you an insight to how deep this world actually is and how much work they have put into it. It's really hard to it's easy to dismiss that sometimes it's hard to understand exactly how much they're doing for it. I, one of the things that I like the the most is the fact, like you said earlier, how playing Emily versus Corvo will feel differently. And she is a lot more agile and, and, and whatnot, but I like that it's been 15 years. So mm-hmm. Corvo's older, so he's going to feel a lot heavier. They were saying heavy and brutal. Mm-hmm. And I like that again, it's, it's it's an old thing that I've seen time and time again from from sparring and whatnot with a variety of different people at different dojos and whatnot. And you do have that different feel when you are fighting against somebody who is far younger and got that spring in their step still and bounces around a lot versus someone that is doesn't have all that energy so they're more thoughtful about where they expend it kind of thing and it is a way different feel so i the fact that they they get that and have implemented it that's freaking awesome so the one thing that i am most interested in finding out is what kind of emily are we going to get here like we know okay you know she's the deposed ruler and this and that but if you remember the way you played Dishonored and just like you, Joe, it's the thing that really excited me, not just the options they gave you, but how th- your choices and those options affected the world. There were no, you know, red text, blue text choices in the game, but you still had a definite impact on the way the story and the world itself played out. And it was fun. so, yes, and, until you get to the end and, and one, the last mission is completely different dependent on that, but also at the end there are two very different Emilies at the end of the game. One who was raised by, you know, a kind and I don't want to say caring Corvo, but another one who was raised by a ruthless Corvo. And I'm interested to see how, (laughs) and even if that is kind of going to work its way into the game, because Emily herself is a very versatile character that I'm really wondering where she's going to start as a character even before the game starts. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's too bad that they couldn't give us a way to import her safe kind of thing because that would have been awesome. But then that's adding quite a bit of work for them. Mm-hmm. So I can I can appreciate that they, they couldn't do but it. Honestly, they really just needed to put a toggle switch. High chaos, low chaos. Yeah. Which which other games have done, too. Like we've seen that with uh, Dragon Age uh, Inquisition. If you didn't have a save, you can go through and pick choices. I don't see why they couldn't have done something like that, too, where it's, mm. like you said, high chaos, low chaos, or, you know, murderous rampage, or I am a gentle flower, you know. Or are all of your crayons black, or do you have colors? Pretty much. <laughs> that determines. <laughs> You'll be very happy to know Corvo committed zero genocides when I played as him. There was no option for a genocide. <laughs> you so could there. murder everything that existed in that city. And I did. <laughs> but you were supposed to. You're an assassin. Shepard's not an zero, assassin. I killed zero people. Yeah. And it was the most satisfying game I've ever played. Okay, let's move on to some uh, Dragon's Dogma Online. Vince. This is a game that I'm 
Uh, on the list of games that I'm never going to see, this is probably the one I'm most excited about. <laughs> Uh, the Dragon's Dogma Online hit its beta phase out in Japan this past week. So we've been getting a lot of great videos for it. And if anybody remembers, God, what was it, three years ago, I think, when the first Dragon's Dogma came out, I loved the crap out of that game. Like the gameplay, the world, just any number of things that really engrossed me in that game. So the thought that we can now play, I don't know if it's the same world or at least a similar world, in that giant open world with friends is really exciting and something, an opportunity I hope I get to have and share with other people because the gameplay, first of all, revolved very heavily around teamwork. Now, in the first game, you only had your AI teammates to work with, but it was all about, you know, how you trained them and, you know, what kind of battle experience they had, which was actually a really good kind of representation of playing with regular people. So now actually sharing that experience with people online is pretty cool because the combinations you can do with the characters, you, know, you can have one character restrain an enemy while the other one stabs it or throwing your team members around and all kinds of stuff like that. With these gigantic boss battles that have kind of become the hallmark of the franchise at this point and you, we watch the videos and you just watch eight people beating up a giant cyclops and there's no way that doesn't look fun because they're not just standing there and hitting buttons no, you're actively engaged you have to jump you have to dodge you have to position your attacks you have to target specific parts of the enemies like gameplay wise as a co-op game this could be you know fantastic but also just exploring the world it's a gigantic world which for a lot of people was a big problem in the first game the world was too big there was no fast travel they have added fast travel in the online version but i loved that big world because it gave me so many more options to explore and people who really took the time to explore that gigantic world found a whole bunch of shortcuts that made those horrible long travel segments pretty damn quick so and we, I've spoken time and time again how much I love exploring in online RPGs. And yeah, again, that's just an itch that Dragon's Dogma scratches better than just about any other game out there. It looks pretty. No, I, I think that's actually a really good idea. It's really cool. Um, I like online play. Anybody who knows me knows that I, I, I am a social gamer. I like the idea of being able to share experiences with my friends and the idea of having a giant boss that I can fight with like you two guys is really appealing to me. I like the, like you were saying, the, these boss fights aren't like what you experience in most boss fights. I mean, as much as I love Wildstar and they've got their own type of combat, which I find is even better if you use certain add-ons, uh, some mods, but even that, even that little bit of, interaction still feels very grounded whereas this like you're saying you're climbing on top of the damn things like that's bloody awesome like the we're seeing more and more of these developers now understanding how important the combat is as well and that the days of the wow type of tab targeting should be all but done. Like, we need to progress more, not just in our first-person games, but also these online games and MMOs to create far more dynamic combat. Mm -hmm. So, there was also some news on Baldur's Gate that you found. 
Yeah, I, this came pretty much out of nowhere as far as I knew, that we are getting an expansion to the original Baldur's Gate called Siege of Dragonspear. Uh, right. From, Be- from Beamdog Entertainment, the company that made the uh, enhanced editions of Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2. And... It's interesting because it takes place between the first and second games. Uh, as they say, the Saravak is de- – oh, by the way, spoilers for a 14-year-old game. The Saravak <laughs> is dead and his plan for war – even more than 14 years, god. <laughs> and his plan for war averted. Peace eludes the citizens of Baldur's Gate. A crusade marches from the north, seizing supplies, forcing locals into military service, and disrupting trade along the Sword Coast. A charismatic warrior known as the Shining Lady leads this army, her background shrouded in mystery. Can the rumors be true? Is she, like you, the child of a god? So it really ties into uh, your role in the first game. The player character is the, you know, the son of or daughter of Bale. And all that meant for the larger part of the game. So now having a second character with that possibility uh, leaves a lot of story development chances. They said that the game is going to present 25 plus hours of content and it's fully compatible with the Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition. So you can carry your save over, all your loot, all your characters, all your everything, uh, all of the original cast, the uh, three new characters that they added in the... Let me dig up my uh, floppies with those saves. Yeah, your Enhanced Edition, <laughs> as well as for new characters that they're adding in. Uh, you get a guard captain who's an archer. Uh, you have this weird little gnome cleric, which uh, could be an interesting combination that they have there. You have Voglin the Vast, a scald from the north who inspires his allies with epic tales as long as the ale keeps flowing. Which makes me wonder if they're finally including a useful bard in Baldur's fucking gate. <laughs> and McKean Grubdoubler. A goblin on her own, determined not to return to her tribe. Her unusual shamanic magic may turn the tide of battle. Because, yes, they are also adding in the shaman as a playable yes. class. Now, all that is really exciting. I'm more excited for this than I have been in a long time for other games. But I don't know if I want to play it. Really? Because being an expansion to Baldur's Gate, it has all the stuff that made Baldur's Gate what it was all those years ago, including the same graphics engine and the horribly now outdated second edition Dungeons and Dragons rule set, which it's, I love the game, but a lot of the mechanics and a lot of the stats and it, it, it's very archaic at this point. And I understand their decision to want to replicate that experience, but this is the year 2015. They, we just got a replication of that experience with Pillars of Eternity, but in a much better, much more streamlined way. So honestly, that plus it's an expansion for the Enhanced Edition. So anybody that loved and played the original Baldur's, original Baldur's Gate but didn't buy the Enhanced Edition, you got to buy the Enhanced Edition in order to play this expansion. <laughs> so your well, original saves aren't going to carry over, but your Enhanced Edition saves will. Ooh. While that, that so your floppy disks won't do you any good, Roger. <laughs> I understand your concerns on that, but at the same point, they've done a lot to streamline, especially in Baldur's Gate, how convoluted second edition really was. True. So it's not as bad as sitting down with pen and paper. And even back then, it wasn't as bad as sitting down with pen and paper. Oh, God, nothing was as bad as sitting down <laughs> and calculating Thaco. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but even then, like, the idea of having a continuation of that story, which again, is much beloved of the D&D games. Like, it's probably, 
I, I think I don't want to say it's the best because I, I think the old arcade games are probably the, the everybody's favorites. But still, it's just that opportunity to see the story continue to see new story added into it, especially because it takes place between Baldur's Gate one and two. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of cool to see how that gap gets bridged. As far as like the legacy stuff, the graphics and the gameplay like that, I could probably kind of like, OK, it's you know a relic of what you know, a reproduction of a relic of its time. The fact that it's not a standalone expansion kind of bothers me, though, because a lot of people didn't buy the enhanced edition. A lot of people you know, loved Baldur's Gate, played the hell out of Baldur's Gate. Hi, I'm that guy. But wanting to play it again in the year, what, 2013, which was when the enhanced edition came out, was mm-hmm. a cool prospect. But. Again, not something a lot of people really... Uh... And see, that's the thing. I actually picked it up when it came out on the iPad because mm-hmm. I was thinking, this will be great. It's it's made, this type of game is made for an iPad, a tablet, I should say, not an iPad. And so I thought, this will be fun. I, I remember these, playing these so many years ago. But as I've said many times on the podcast as well, I'm I'm not part of the majority in terms of, you know, a lot of older gamers are like that nostalgia. They love it and they want to play those old games all the time. Whereas I, I enjoy the, the technology constantly changing and becoming something cool. And I'm always excited for the new stuff. So when I look at the old stuff and, and the problems inherent in mm-hmm. the gameplay, like you're describing and whatnot, I I don't have this burning desire to go through that again because there's so many experiences from current developers that are just as good, if not better, in a lot of different ways. So I started playing it, and seriously, I did not get far, and it was like, oh, God. Yeah, like, I, I, could... I got the Enhanced Edition. I started playing it. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I loved the game when it came out, but things have changed since then. And yet, I, again... The second edition rule set as presented in the game isn't that terrible, but there's still a lot of things that have changed over the years that are kind of clunky by by today's standards. Yeah. And there's, again, that push has been going on for a little while now in regards to that style of of game. And there's a lot of people who love it. So, hey, Mm -hmm. best of luck to them if they can. But there's too many things with this, all of which you cover too, that are like the little warning flags for me of no, I, I, I just keep not going to be picking this up. Just go get Pillars of Eternity instead. No, I won't do that either because I know I, <laughs> I know there's there's far too many hours in there that I would waste. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's the only reason I haven't picked it up yet. It's like, like no, I don't have the time for I, this. I really, really, really do. There are bats to soar through Gotham, and I'm the one making them soar. So. I ain't got time for that little shit stuff. Um, moving on, we got some some news for Destiny. There's been so much going on with Destiny right now, and they're trying to course correct a lot of the recent mistakes and whatnot. And they're putting out this one year thing. They announce it. There's going to be a reward <laughs> for their 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 best players. You know, the ones that have stuck with them and that that have stuck around for the the year. And not just that. But you have to do a bunch of different things in order to actually get this prize. You have to have 
played a whole bunch of PvP as well as PvE stuff. You have to have killed a whole bunch of things, gathering things. You need to have um, done the raids and on hard mode too and stuff like that. Like you can check your progress I, I for this. I was looking this. at the list and I went, okay, okay, done, done. Yeah. Oh, that's easy. Oh, I'm never going to get that. Exactly. <laughs> I reached the, the raid things and I went, well, I'm not in a clan and... When I log in, yes, I still know some people playing, but not nearly as many, so it'd be hard. I still could do it if I want, and you have mm-hmm. up until I can't remember the exact date. I believe it's in September, but I'm not 100%. Yeah, September 9th. In order to get all of these achievements. But that's not the best part. Guess what you win if you go through all of this crap and you were loyal for a year staying with them? A discount on the expansion. A fucking emblem. On. <laughs> <laughs> Emblem, something that you put as a little decoration behind your name. That's what those <laughs> emblems are. At least An give em- me a shader. Em- something that people will see. <laughs> An emblem. Now, I will say, first of all, <laughs> this is it's, it's ridiculous and it's stupid. It's not a bad looking emblem. <laughs> it's pretty damn cool. <laughs> it's, it's a good looking emblem. But is it a one year let's reward our player base that has stuck through with us throughout all of our stupidity and us ripping them off with a terrible season pass. Here's an emblem. No, 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 no. I, oh my God. Had it been something cool, I would have actually looked at those raids and said, okay, it's time to actually find a clan because there are some find a clan and let's, Buckle down, there's time for me to do this. I've got a level, hell, my my lock is like 34 maybe, 33, 34. He's a high enough level. I'm getting you through probably stuff, laugh so. your way through the raids. So now, I yeah. could do some of these raids with some other, maybe not that high. I can't remember exactly what it was. Anyways, and, uh, and so I would do it. I am not rushing through this shit for a goddamn emblem. That's stupid. Stupid. I was... Yeah, but 10 years from now, Raj, when you see somebody with that year one emblem, it's going to mean something. Oh, you mean when I'm on like the reject servers because everybody else is playing Destiny 3 by then? (laughs) Yeah, it'll mean a lot of stuff. And when I eventually get Destiny 3, they'll allow me to import all of those things into the new game. You know what? I've heard that as a pre-order bonus for Destiny 3, you get the year one emblem for free. (laughs) You get it as a pin in the collector's edition. You can wear it. <laughs> well, by then it'll be uh, on your HoloLens. Oh, so, you know. well, of course. Dude, that'd be awesome. Shit. <laughs> Fucking dumb nuts. Oh, so the only other thing. That, actually, before I get to. um, Now, let's let's talk about this kill the kill bullshit thing. <laughs> Kenji Sato, the director of the Metal Gear Rising Revengeance game, wants to make an anime game of Kill la Kill. Or Berserk, but really wants to do Kill la Kill. And of course, the fanboys went ballistic, saying they would love that. And it irked me. <laughs> Not enough that I commented on that, that thread that I saw, but I considered it. I considered Roger, it. Roger, No. I just, and, and I, if you're listening to the show and you were a fan of Kill a Kill, screw you. It's a stupid show. <laughs> we tried watching it and it is such a misogynistic piece of shit. It's unbelievable. 
that tries to kind of rationalize all of these stripteases. So the fact the that th- fan service the anime. Oh, it's, it, it is the <laughs> biggest fan service anime I've ever seen. Even it's, Vince, the resident expert on anime bullshit. And God help me, I tried because I did like a lot of stuff about the show. I made it eight episodes before I had to give up. I and give that was a Herculean effort on my part. <laughs> I give you credit. I couldn't even finish the first one. I was all excited because it was on Netflix. Like, oh, I'm going to watch this. This is really bad. I watched. I didn't get through all of three, but I made it to the third episode. And then partway through said, no, I can't. I tried. I can't. And they want to How many make- times in all the years we've been working together have I looked at something and gone, Roger, don't watch yeah. that. <laughs> I'll always tell you to try it. I'll even frequently troll you and tell you to watch something. You said, hey, what about this kill a kill? And I said, no, you will hate it. And I did. And they want to make it into a game. So, yeah. Actually, let's move on from there. Last thing I want to talk about, I didn't even put it in the show notes because I knew it pissed Joe off. (laughs) Oh, God. I played a little bit of Batgirl. (laughs) Because I can. I'm not I'm not mad. Really? I would be. I, I'm not mad. I was originally. I was at first because of that, that getting pushed back. But I still have plenty of games oh, to yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not concerned yet. If it gets delayed much longer, I may have to fucking strangle somebody. But yeah. I don't think it's right, though. I don't think it's right for them to hold it back for PC owners. Simply because yeah, I, I we know that they pulled the game period. Give from it everybody. to PC owners for free. Just but oh yeah, no kidding. But the there are some people who got it working. Like well, there's Joe. there's a ton of people that actually are posting now. They're like, yes, it's working now. Yeah. They released a small patch and it fixed it for a bunch of people. So not and releasing this is just here, not fair. But here's the here's the part that pisses me off about it just a little bit is that if you have the game through digital distribution and it's installed, you can still buy the fucking season pass. They didn't disable that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's like, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, really? You'll take my 40 fucking dollars. Just, just make it available. Just put it out there. It's either going to work or it's not going to work. Whatever. People have already made the monetary commitment. Just I give agree. it to them. No, I agree. I agree. Especially the people who have, like you said, made that commitment. If somebody bought the season pass, they should be receiving this. Period. I know that they have the period of the season pass in which to release it, but that's again, it's as a season pass holder. I agree. It's wrong. It's it, they should be releasing it now. All that being said, I hope you enjoy the shit out of it. It did come out on PS4 and on Xbox One. Who the hell cares about that? So, of course, I get myself all set up yesterday, last night. Wife goes to bed, and I'm going, like, and I'm fully medicated, so I'm nice and relaxed. So I'm thinking, let's play some Batgirl. It's dark. This will be awesome. I get my headset on, sit down. Fucking thing didn't auto download. (laughs) (laughs) So I start the download and it's like 3.4 gigs and I'm going fine. And of course it took all night, not because of my network, but because Sony is throttling apparently. So today though, I had the day off. So I I did some, I didn't finish it all. I didn't have time, but I I played through a bunch of it. And I, I don't want to spoil anything about it. We know the, what the premise is initially. He, Gordon's been kidnapped and you're going with uh, Robin to go and rescue him. And you can't bring bats in because Joker said he'll kill Gordon if you do. So that's 
just the premise. And I honestly, I don't know yet what's going on. All that's happened so far is me and Robin are freaking kicking ass and taking names. Because <laughs> the combat as her is fantastic. Again, it, it felt very much like the uh, Catwoman stuff where you, you are far Agility. more agile. And... And your your abilities are a little bit different, but at that point, I mean, you're diving into a group of people, you're just breaking things and sending them to the ground. It's just not the the mechanics of what punches she's throwing. Just way more agile in the bouncing around, and I, I really did that. And then her her hacking thing. So far, the only difference to the hacking that I've seen is the distance hacking stuff that she's doing a lot of. And so far, that's it. Now, I'm sure that'll change and there'll be a lot more. But the other hacking is very much like the Batman hacking where you're just decrypting the different words kind of thing with the the joysticks. So nothing spectacular with the hacking yet, but I'm hoping it gets better. But in terms of just the look of it, the feel of it, the chatter between Barb and, and, uh, and Robin and things like that, really freaking cool. Like really, really freaking cool, and uh, and so yeah, I really, really digging it. it. It's it's fun. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the story and and what actually happens. So that is going to wrap up this short episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to go to forthelore.com for the show notes. You can find us on Twitter at forthelore or individually Joe at Lorders at J Vince at Simodian and myself at Zen Buddhist. You can also leave us your thoughts and comments on iTunes and Stitcher. We are going to be transitioning right into our comic book and former podcast episode now so that we can cover the SDCC news regarding comic books and I'm sure there's going to be some mention in there of TV and movies probably because there was a ton of that at this SDCC but anyways thank you for joining us thank you for joining us live if you're interested stay in the chat room while we progress with CBI and with that we will talk to you guys next week no I'm gonna stick like glue stick because I'm Stuck on you. I'm gonna run my fingers through your nose. <laughs> you, you're, you're snubbing us. Hey, guys. Out of the kindness of our hearts. And it was even my idea. Wait a minute. And you have kindness s- in your heart? Snubbing when us. When did that happen? Not anymore. Screw you. See what happens? So for the second time this week, I've gone to open up a link in the show notes. <clears throat> gone, ah, oh, you idiot. You did the wrong link. No, I didn't. I did? <laughs> you have a couple of them switched around. It's no big deal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my mental health <laughs> and medicated health the last little while. Dude, he's. We're, we should be mixed proud he's functioning <clears throat> semi normally. What's normally? <laughs> Although I feel like I should send him a t shirt, like the young Frankenstein that just says Abby Normal on it. You know. Often how you, like, slash facepalm, and it's just an expression. You don't actually mean it. You're not actually doing it. That milk discussion. (laughs) (laughs) I was facepalming and typing with one hand, like, how can you... What? What? Why is this so complicated? What is... You you know, there's Americans that... (laughs) can split atoms, building spaceships, all manner of shit, cannot figure out how 
milk in a bag functions. How does this make sense? You silly Canadians. I just... I, I, <laughs> I didn't know if she was serious at points. I, I forget how it came up, but it was just some sort of offhanded compliment about bagged milk. And she's like, what? Like, bagged milk. She's like, what's bagged milk? Knowing full well what the result was going to be, I went, ask Roger. Oh, God. <laughs> I I just, and then there were others replying to it. I'm like, oh, my God. What? Why is this complicated? <laughs> Even if, you know, nobody explains it. Somebody hands you a bag full of milk. Somebody somewhere should be able to figure out there's got to be a way that I can safely get said milk out of this bag. You know? There's a apparently there's a nobody. I saw your link. Thank God, because <laughs> <laughs> well, that that was the one that explains it. There's a video online somewhere of teenagers in the United States being given bags of milk and not told what they are. And just filming the reaction, and it's fucking hysterical. I just, it makes no sense to me. <laughs> Again, if if we were talking something, you know, that we do that's complicated, that is not the norm, <laughs> then okay, I would get it. Or we're using materials that can only be found in Canada, <laughs> like Canadians, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but this is bags of milk, and then the constant. But why? But what? figure it's cheaper and better for the environment i don't i just it's a hard concept man it really really isn't it really isn't at all <laughs> so yeah i just uh... and yeah, she's a keeper vince <laughs> <laughs> in there <laughs> we're watching we've been watching mash like i was saying before because it's on uh, it's on netflix mm-hmm. and again when i'm feeling like crap and sick i don't even for the most part want a game i sit down and i just watch tv and mash of course is like most people when they remember their shows from when they were kids remember like sesame street and shit like that i remember mash that's what we watched every single night. And um, and so we've been watching quite a bit of it. We just watched an episode literally before, during supper and all that. And uh, freaking Colonel Blake is as old as I am. <laughs> and I'm watching that going, oh my God, that's not right. <laughs> but yes. So don't you mess around with me. I never looked for trouble, but I never ran. I don't take no orders. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. 
We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. Don't mess around, don't mess around with me.